1: guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show, where I welcome Humble the Poet. And Humble is a Canadian-born rapper, spoken word artist, poet, internationally best-selling author, and former elementary school teacher. His first two books, Unlearn and Things Nobody Can Teach Us, have become international bestsellers. And today, Humble and I talk about His latest book, How to Be Loved. And you'll hear me start the show with a small little blurb about the book that will give you a lot of great insight into what we talk about. But that's really everything about love and what love is and what it is not, because often we get confused based on how we are raised, what society tells us and much more. And we finish the conversation by diving into how to love ourselves more, which I know I got a lot of great stuff out of that part of the conversation. And it's always something I'm trying to to do better. And I think it's important to address in this journey that we're all looking to improve our relationships, maybe with others, but our relationship with ourself is really primary and more important because if we don't have a good relationship with ourself, it's going to be hard to have a good one with another person, at least a healthy one. So as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in, sending you lots of love. Enjoy today's episode. Humboldt, thank you so much for joining me on the show today.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So I told you in the pre-show, I was reading a bit about your book and I haven't actually read the book yet, but I can't wait to because just a little blurb about it had me hooked and very curious, and I wanted to share it with our readers. And so I'm going to read it real quick, and then we're going to dive in to everything about this book. So there's a a little bit, and then there's a paragraph that says, we all want love. Everything we do is in pursuit of it. But as we count likes on social media and measure our worth by the numbers in our bank accounts, we are programmed to see love as something to earn or when that programming obscures the simple truth that we ourselves are beautiful infinite eternal sources of love instead of seeking to be loved by the world we must be love and then it goes in to talk about how this insight is covered in your book so i just wanted to share that i think it's so beautiful and i want to ask you what made you kind of go on this journey to write this book
2: I mean, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. And, and, and I appreciate you sharing the blurb. My, my journey as an author, this is my, my third book, it has really been focusing on things that I struggle with and really trying my best to get a deeper understanding of things and then sharing it with everybody who's interested. Um, so I'm not a love guru. I'm, I'm the kid at the front of the class who's taking all the notes and, and wants to share their notes with everybody else. Um, and and what put me on this journey actually was I was I was in a relationship that I was struggling in, and um, I wanted to figure out how to be better, how to be a better partner, how to how to better learn to receive love. And um, once you read the first, the introduction chapter, you'll see that that didn't really play out the way I thought it was going to play out, which further deepened me in this journey to better understand love and how it seemed like everybody else could find it or realize it. And I couldn't. And, um, you know, so a relationship was the catalyst for the book. Um, The the journey through discovering and learning about love became the catalyst for the relationship ending. And then that's when the real beginning began. And um, what I quickly realized is a lot of the things that I thirsted for, a lot of the things that we thirst for, thinking that it's love, is not really love. Um, Attention uh control, power, admiration, success, um uh clout, um, you know, uh, authority, all of these things are things that we chase and, and are kind of carrots dangling in front of us. And um we think they're love and and, and you know it's almost like you know they're as much as love as fast food is nutrition <laughs> nutritional food. And um that's that's what set up this journey. And as I as I started to realize this, um I realized that a lot of the things that we've been taught through society, through culture, through media, consumerism, religion, just old entities that have been teaching us and setting scripts for us, a lot of the things that we've been taught, um, they've run their course, they're kind of outdated. You know, there's a reference in the book where I say, Look, you know, trying to learn love from our parents is trying to get george washington to set up your wi-fi you know it's just times have changed and we need to have a better understanding of this especially in an age of social media especially in an age where it seems like everyone is feeling much more anxiety and um realizing that love isn't something that we chase win earn have to deserve or have to be enough of love is something we realize and most often times that we're not realizing love is because we have our eyes closed or we have our windows closed to it um, or we have our back turned to it. And uh, this book is a extremely simple journey on uh, how to open ourselves up and create more pathways to love um, in any type of relationship, most importantly, a relationship with ourselves. So you
1: described some of the things that you discovered love is not you know, attention, power. Can you talk a little bit about those realizations or those insights and how people listening may be confusing that?
2: Yeah, completely. So one of the references I use is is Canal Street love. So Canal Street is a popular street in New York. You want to buy a fake Gucci belt. You want to, you know, you want to get some cheap cologne. You know, it it looks like the real thing, but it's not the real thing. Um, But it's definitely uh, cheaper. Quicker and more convenient to get it that way, just like fast food. Um, and what's happening right now is we're, tra- we're chasing things that are delicious much more than nutritious. And the reason we know that they're not nutritious is we have to keep going back. We have to continually go back to get more and more and more. And the challenge with that is we take our cues and our understanding from love from what we see. So you know the first example of love that most people see are the people that raise them so you know let's say just just for story's sake right now a, a mother and father these are two flawed human beings who themselves you know didn't have a handbook on how to do it and what ends up happening is we feel all of us feel more comfortable being around what's familiar and what's healthy and um, the nostalgia of our of our parents, circumstances no matter how healthy and unhealthy it is is what we're drawn to is what you what we call the daddy issues and the mommy issues um, and we'll pick what's familiar over what's good for us um, I'm not here to knock anybody's parents as I said we're all flawed human beings we're all figuring it out as we go but when you're a child and your brain is still processing we look at the world through duality it's either this or it's that life is very black and white and we don't really upgrade our software when it comes to how that changes as an adult and things are much more complicated. So what ends up happening is we start thinking that, oh, I need to find the spark. I need to catch a vibe with somebody. I need all of these things. And there's studies that have proven that, you know, those th- that spark, those vibes are actually warning signs to go the other way. You know, uh, you're meeting somebody who is uh, matching the flavor of your childhood trauma. And because it's familiar, we'll pick a familiar pain over an unfamiliar pleasantry. And um, there's also studies that have been done with couples. They did a study with uh, 1,500 couples who have been together for over 10 years. And less than 3% of them have a story of the spark. You know, when they met, there's no story of the spark. But so often we rely on this because that's what you see on TV. You know, that's what you, you're Ross and you're Rachel. <laughs> you know, you're Bobby, you're Whitney, you're... These infamous couples, the, the on-again, off-agains. And um, those are individuals who are struggling with their own attachment styles. And the thing is, when people have unhealthy attachment styles and they meet, that makes for great entertainment. Um, the happiest couples we know are the least eventful. I don't want to use the word boring, but they're the least eventful. Um, their roller coaster is very uh, tame. No high highs, no low lows. and. Um, In relationships, you know, we should be, we should be chasing peace because if we're chasing pleasure, that pleasure ends up becoming medication for a lack of peace. And, um, so I don't fault anybody for wanting this because again, you're not going to see a healthy relationship on television. It's like if you have a reality show and you have 10 people in the room and they all get along, it doesn't make for a very exciting reality show. You need the drama. You need the, you know, you need the ups and downs. And because we've been so much we have so much uh, influence from the Disney movies, from porn, from, you know, the romance novels. All of these things inform what we think we want. And um, social media just has heightened that because now you're seeing the highlight reel of everybody's lives. And you're comparing that to the background, you know, behind the scenes of your own. So we see all these hashtag couples goals, but we don't know what what's happening behind the scenes. You know, and... Everybody pretends for social media, but everybody forgets that everybody else is also pretending. Um, so, so this book is a little bit of a wake up call just to remind us that, hey, look, this is actually what, 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 what healthy love is. And, um, love isn't something that you have to acquire. It's literally something that is what's underneath the surface once you clear away the rest of the mess. Uh you know, the quote in the book by Nabal Ravikant that says, love is what's left when all of their emotions are gone you know, and another great one is love is the screen that life plays on, you know, so you don't have to find love. People always say, I need to find love. You don't have to find love. Love is always there. Um, We just have to create pathways to it. We have to clear out pathways to it. And I think that's the important idea. And when we live in a society that teaches you to buy stuff to be happy, they have to make you feel like you're not enough so that you can buy stuff. Otherwise, if you felt like you were enough, you wouldn't buy any of their crap. And and from that standpoint, I think it's just really important that we recognize a lot of the things that we're chasing. And I recently have been helping a friend who's been going through an abusive relationship. And she goes, I'm addicted to love. And I was like, it's not an addiction to love. It's an addiction to being needed. It's an addiction to the attention. It's an addiction to dopamine, which we all have. Whether it's dopamine through our phones, dopamine is watching TV, dopamine is playing video games, dopamine getting compliments. We're all addicted to it in one way or the other. Some of those addictions are more dangerous than others. And and I'm not here to judge. I'm here to just help people become more aware, make more informed choices, uh, and actually feel the love and recognize the love they already have in their lives. You know, there's a big idea that we have to be perfect to, to achieve love. But every single person you love, every single person I love, we know all their imperfections. And none of those imperfections disqualify them from receiving our love. So why do we think we have to be better? Why do we think we have to be prettier? Why do we think we have to be more successful? Why do we think we have to be anywhere? Why do we think we need a blue check mark on Instagram or, or have a bunch of followers? You know, when I held my baby niece for the first time, I had no interaction with her previously, and she still filled me up with love. You know, it, love doesn't get stronger over time. Love doesn't need you to be anything. It's it's realizing something that's always there. It's it's a breeze that you just have to open your sails to. So I'm here to tell you to stop chasing the breeze and instead just open up your sails.
1: There is so much in there and lots of of great stuff, Humble, Thank you. Let's drill down on just that big idea because it's a big idea. I don't want to gloss over it, but this idea that love is just what's left when everything else is gone, right? Like I think, especially with this show, it's a relationship advice show. And in the context of relationships, we think that we are going to be filled up with love from our partner. And when we realize that actually it's our own love, it's the, the happiness that we generate from within that's gonna fill us up. And yes, partnership can be a great mirror. It can make life more fulfilling and, and it does. But how do you think about that idea that that love is just there with the idea of a relationship? but in the context that it doesn't require a relationship. And how do you think about that, like, then bringing it into a relationship?
2: Yeah, there's, there's a great Peter Crone idea. Um, he said, instead of saying, I love you, just say, I love. And then also say, you know, um, instead of saying, I'm in love with you, say, you, you, you help me, you help show me where love is, you know? So the people that we have relationships with are, these are pathways to love. Because at the end of the day, you know, you may have a family member that you love deeply. I've never met the family member, so mean that that person may not have the love connection, um, and that's because you guys established the pathway of love. I believe a pathway of love can exist between any anybody. Um, some will be harder than others. Some will be harder to foster than others. And there is a popular idea that love. Is some sort of adhesive, is some sort of glue that keeps people together. And I have a chapter in the book that says, love is not glue, love is fuel. You know, love isn't what keeps people together. Love is what keeps people working at it. So they stick together. And I think from that standpoint, it's really important to understand that love is what's supposed to motivate you to work. It's not what's supposed to make you, oh, I'm in love, we're just gonna stick together and you know, live off into the sunset. And that's a very linear idea that we get from watching movies because movies are linear movies have a beginning a middle an end, and end and we don't see what happens the day after they're happily ever after but the thing with us is we don't live in these straight lines we live in cycles we every each and every one of us have a summer winter fall and spring and our relationships will have those as well so we're constantly going so some some seasons are easier than others some people serve purposes in certain seasons and some people are the seasons and then they they move away with those so it's a really important idea to to recognize that when you feel love around someone they're helping reveal to you what love is and and the opposite as well you know they what we don't like in other people is what we don't like in ourselves you know so what those are people we hate those are people that are helping us reveal where hate is you know everybody is a teacher in this sense you know um what we generally admire about people reveals what's important to us you know and so when we start looking at people we have to stop looking at them as the objects and start looking at them as the teachers and when you commit to somebody in a romantic relationship what you're saying is we're going to strengthen this pathway and create more pathways for others and the thing with love is, is one of the few phenomenons in existence where the more you share it the more there is and again we have to challenge old ideas. Love is a gift. It's am not alone. You know, I don't give you love hoping to get it back. I give you love because I have so much of it to give. And I understand that the more I give you, the more I have, you know, and the reciprocity of it, that's not something that's necessary. And I think, again, a lot of this goes back to the type of lives and cultures we live in. We live in a very transactional culture. Uh, we live in a culture that requires reciprocity. We live in a culture that uses this word enough a lot, you know, um, am I enough? Am I worthy? Uh, people, you can't measure a person in terms of worthiness. You can't even measure a person in terms of enoughness. You know, I can measure my gas tank and say, do I have enough gas to get to work today? But I can't say, am I enough of a person? Am I, you know, am I enough to be loved? Um, because as I said, that, that love is always there. And it's a really interesting idea. The more you start to think of it, Because it ends up becoming the everything and the nothing. It's when nothing is left, is when everything appears. And one of the analogies that helps me really understand this is, you know, we're all drops in the ocean, but we have the little membrane around our drop, which is our ego that makes us think we're separate from everything else. Love is what pops that membrane. It lets, it takes the drop, pops it into the ocean. And then all of a sudden, the drop becomes nothing and everything it becomes the entire ocean, and it becomes, it no longer becomes a drop. And you know, I was raised in Eastern philosophy, and that was the way you know the divine was, was explained to me. The divine is everything and nothing. And you know, different meditative medicine experiences have, have allowed me to understand that uh, on a much more pragmatic standpoint, and um, it helped me realize why how we're doing so much. You know, it's almost as if it is raining love on top of us and we're buckets, but we're just upside down, <laughs> you know, and, and and we're wondering why we don't feel it, why we don't feel full by it. And the work isn't to find more rain. The work is just to turn the bucket the other way around. And um, it, 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 it's a journey. As I said, I wrote, I wrote a very simple book about love, um, but please don't mix up the word simple with easy. It's still going to be, it's going to be work, but it's going to be work that's worth it.
0: Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Feeling stuck in life is normal, and it happens to the best of us. When I felt stuck in the past, I used to wish I had a user manual that I could go open, go to the index, put my finger on a problem, and then read the instructions for how to handle it. But unfortunately, our lives aren't as simple as troubleshooting a TV or fixing a car, and our own personal user manuals don't exist. But that doesn't mean you're stranded. I've found that therapy is the next best thing to get things running smoothly again. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of our complex lives. Therapy has been really helpful in my life. I've realized that having an unbiased professional to help me think and work through life scenarios is one of the most valuable things I can invest in. Everyone deserves to feel their best. BetterHelp makes it easier to get started. It's all the benefits of in-person therapy, plus being more convenient and more accessible and more affordable. They offer video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and after filling out a brief survey, you can be matched with the therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 3 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. Get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% on your first month at betterhelp.com slash I do. That's betterhelp.com slash I do. No complicated routine, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. If you're looking for skincare products that are simple and effective, for a limited time, you'll get an exclusive 15% off your first OneSkin purchase when using the code IDO when you check out at oneskin.co. I've been using OneSkin's body lotion for about a month, and I've already seen noticeable improvements with small wrinkles and textures on my skin, specifically on the back of my neck and the back of my hands, two places where I get a lot of sun. Plus, my skin looks and feels healthier all around.
1: What are some of the things along this continuous journey that you found helpful in flipping that bucket and taking in those drops of love?
2: I think first and foremost, um, it starts with your relationship with yourself. Um, Everything you do with yourself will, will inform your ability to have healthy relationships with others. So the biggest section in this book is about love for self. And one of the key ideas that I explore there is prioritizing your self-respect over your self-esteem. You know, your self-esteem is how other people see you and how you can derive value from that. Your self-respect is how you see you. And we've seen so many examples of public figures, celebrities, athletes who the world worships, but they don't feel good about themselves. So the, the self-respect is very low. Their self-esteem is very high, but again, the self-esteem is more delicious than nutritious. So they have to constantly chase more and more and more. Self-respect in itself strengthens your relationship with yourself and then allows you to have healthier relationships with other people. And self-respect, the recipe to growing your self-respect is just to do difficult things. You know, keep the promises you make to yourself. Um, voluntarily put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Um, choose your self-respect over being liked by others. You know, um, one chapter I have in the book is, is called, um, self-love is showing your teeth. You know, standing up for yourself is important. Setting boundaries is important because the alternative is resentment. And that's one of the darkest places people can be. So if you say something and you cross one of my boundaries and I let it slide, I resent you. And now I'm just stirring in this poison of resentment. Versus me speaking to you respectfully and saying, hey, that's not cool. Like, let's not do that again. Now, I don't hold any resentment towards you. We've established a boundary and we have much more clarity in our relationship. And knowing you, knowing most people, very few people are purposely malicious. People make mistakes. People offend people. People cross lines all the time. They don't do it purposely. And communicating that allows people to have a healthy relationship. Um, and we avoid that because we want to be likable. And uh, I have a quote in the book that says, being lovable doesn't always mean being likable. It's okay to say something. It's okay to have an opinion that other people don't necessarily agree with. It's completely okay. Um, and it's challenging in the world of self-esteem because we're in a time where your self-esteem literally has a number beside it. <laughs> you know, we think, oh, how many likes this photo got? How many comments this got? How many followers I got? Um... A, that's not healthy. B, that's also based off an algorithm that's just trying to keep people on these apps. And it's not telling your story how many people like your photos. You know, because the type of photos people like are just going to be more and more outrageous anyways. So when we focus on self-respect, they can look the same. But focusing on self-respect is definitely one of the biggest ideas to have in the world of self-love. And, and that manifests itself in terms of how we communicate with other people um, how we keep our commitments to ourselves um, how we treat ourselves a lot of people are craving love when we can provide that love for ourselves we can take ourselves out on dates we can spoil ourselves all the things that we want from other people is completely accessible to ourselves so in that journey I think that's one of the most important ideas uh, worth exploring
1: in that same vein and what's been valuable to me in creating more self-respect, but but self-love and it's done through different therapeutic modalities in internal family systems As one where you go in and visualize yourself as a child. You know, and there's intricate talk therapy that can guide you through it. But even just listening right now, visualize yourself when you can strongly remember a certain age, let's say nine. And it's like, would you talk to your nine-year-old self the way you're disparaging yourself right now? And, and I found that to be incredibly valuable in healing.
2: You're absolutely right. And at the end of the day, we all are just nine-year-olds. That's our inner child. Before all of this, I was an elementary school teacher and I taught the fourth grade. I taught nine year olds. And my, my entire writing career is based off the idea, can I explain my work to a nine year old? That, you know, my rule is no words bigger than mayonnaise. And what you realize is you're you're communicating to everybody's inner child and the inner child is the one that reacts more than it responds. It's, It's much more emotional. Um, you know, I refer to it in the book as your inner ego toddler. You know, and it's, and they can have temper tantrums and all of this, and and the truth is, you were absolutely right when you said how we speak to ourselves is so important. I'm self-employed, so by being self-employed, and, and I'm sure you, you can relate to this as well, you have the worst boss you'll ever have, and you'll have the worst employee you've ever had. And as you know, as a boss, you speak to yourself ways that you you would never let another employer talk to you, and as an employee. You know, you would do things and to try to get away with it. You would never do if you were somebody else employed. And it's a really interesting thing where we, you have to realize even in the just the name of productivity, it doesn't accomplish something. If you said you're going to do something today and you don't get it done, calling yourself an idiot, a moron, beating yourself up will not result in any productivity. You know, and what you realize is you have to speak to yourself like an owner. Like, hey, it's okay. We said we're going to do this today. We couldn't get it done. It's okay. Let's okay. Let's get up. Let's get off the couch right now. Let's, let's make something happen. We can do it. I know it. Let's just do it for five minutes. Let's go. Let's get it. And being that encouraging, you know, and there's a chapter in the book saying, you know, self love is being the parent you've always needed. You know, we can be our own parents. We can be our own best friends, knowing our best friends give us a kiss on the cheek when we need it and a kick in the butt when we need it. You know, they're our biggest cheerleader and they're also our biggest critic, depending on what we need. And it's the same idea where, you know, really exploring this concept of. As adults, we are much more complex, especially past the age of 25, 26, where our brains are fully formed. We don't have to look at the world in terms of duality anymore. The world isn't either right, wrong, good, bad, this, that, black, white. That The reason we view the world like that is because we experience so many unique experiences as children, and our brains can only process that. Now we understand there's so much gray in between. And that's one of the key reasons people go to therapy. But, you know, if you want to simplify the concept of therapy, it's just to get you out of black and white thinking. I think whenever I'm speaking to my therapist, she, she's often just saying, why do you think those are the only two options? Why, why are there no other, other options? than like, well, and then we start to begin like, oh yeah, it's not like, you know, let the person, you know, you know, let the person walk all over me or stand up and, and, and scream at them. You know, it's only one or the other. It's like, no, there are so many different options in between. And and I think it's really important. And, and that communication that you have with yourself um, out loud, you know, I think that's a really important uh, uh, portion of this. Our thoughts are so fragmented in our minds, but they're so heavy. And anxiety is just repeating the same thought over and over and over and over again. We need to get it out. You can speak it out loud. You can scream it. You can write it in your journal, but it needs to get out. And the, the moment it gets out, you feel a little bit lighter, but also you start to make a lot more sense of what you're trying to say and what you feel. And the, to be the most effective human beings we can be in this modern age, um, that's going to be a reflection of our communication. Can we understand ourselves and communicate that to other people? And in addition to what you were saying in terms of therapies, um, even the process of just hugging yourself, like literally telling a sad story and hugging yourself the same way you want someone else to hug you. Self-love includes having an amazing relationship with our body. It's so heartbreaking that when we look in the mirror at our body is generally with eyes of criticism. Looking at our body and saying, oh, I want to, get rid of five pounds over there. Oh, I wish my shoulders were bigger. Oh, I wish my skin was smoother. And it's like, your body has been with you since the moment you were alive. And it has tried its best to keep up with you despite you not putting the healthiest food in it, despite you cranking your neck down to look at your phone all day, despite you sitting down all day, not stretching, not drinking enough water. Your body has done everything possible to keep things working despite all the poor choices we made. There's got to be a thank you there. There's got to be a I love you, thank you fingers, thank you toes, thank you heart, thank you. There's got to be a thank you. There's got to be dancing with your body and feeling yourself, dancing alone. I have love stories in the book, and one of the love stories involves a girl who's just not making time for me, and I ask her if she ever gets lonely. She goes, I get lonely all the time. And I was like, well, if you push me away, you're going to stay lonely. She's like, no, when I'm lonely, I dance. She like, I connect with myself by dancing. Loneliness isn't having not having people around. Loneliness is a lack of connection. We've all felt lonely in crowded rooms. What we need is connection. And we can actually create healthy connections with ourselves. And dancing is one of the ways to do it. One of the easiest ways to do it. You know, put on some music and just dance. Close the windows so nobody can see and just make a fool of yourself. You're going to get to know your body so much better. And having this relationship with yourself will put you in a healthier position to create a healthier relationships with other people, whether it's romantic, whether it's at work, whether it's with your siblings, whether it's with your parents, and also your relationship with your work and your job and your passions. All of these things, you know, are relationships it all starts with our relationship with ourselves and the work that we do.
0: Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Do you want to know one of my favorite meals? It's a slice of toasted bread with tomato, mozzarella, basil, olive oil, salt and pepper, and a little drizzle of balsamic glaze. Makes my heart happy. It's so simple. It's so delicious. And I love that all the ingredients get to show off their individual flavors. I used to eat it all the time as my easy go-to meal. And then all of a sudden, there was a ton of messaging out there telling me that I shouldn't eat carbs and that I shouldn't eat bread and that bread is bad. And I hate to admit it, but I cut out bread entirely for the longest time. And it wasn't until recently that I started to understand that not all bread is created equal. hero.co and use the code do at checkout. I was so excited to discover Hero Bread. It's truly amazing and they've made a product that is tasty and soft while having zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and high in fiber. I'm not going to lie... Money is one of the biggest stressors in relationships. While worrying about it doesn't help a ton, Earning actually does. Our sponsor, Earnin, is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per day pay period max and location see slash tos for details bank products are issued by evolve bank and trust member fdic
1: in this big topic of of love and love for ourselves and love for another and just being open to love you know we could talk for days around it i think we've covered a lot and and I'm excited to read the book and I encourage our our listeners to as well before we wrap up humble are there any things that you found in in writing this book that have really stuck out to you personally in a way to think about love and being open to love and
2: being love i think so, so some of the biggest ideas that came to me during writing this book. And, and what I did to write this book is I read every philosopher and his son, every psychologist, every relationship advice columnist, every religious scholar, everybody who ever spoke about love. And what ended up happening was I became so primed in, in seeing love right beneath the surface that I started hearing it in Kobe Bryant when he would talk about basketball or talk about his children or I, I hear it, you know, watching, you know, an interview with Martin Scorsese explaining his next film. And you start to realize that it's literally the fuel that keeps us all going. And when you read this book, you're going to have a lot of, oh, I never looked at it that way. And it's not that I have access to secrets that everybody else doesn't, you know. Um, the reason my books do so well is because it speaks to a part of you that already knew the answers. Um, but what we have to realize is a lot of the reasons we, we, we go off of different information is because we exist in a culture that has other priorities. We, we, we live in a world that needs us to buy stuff and and needs us to feel like we need 10 pairs of shoes. We need a new outfit every week. We can't repeat an outfit that it's against the law to, to show up to a party with a mustard stain on your shirt. We need to believe these things, even though they really don't matter. We need to believe, you know, we're taught to believe that there's a specific body type that's going to make you more desirable to men or to women. When we know that actually doesn't matter, we see couples of all shapes and sizes. We also understand that if every single human being ate properly, exercise properly, and got enough sleep, we would still have complete diversity of body shapes. You know, so what we have to just become cognizant of and aware of is that a lot of these ideas were taught to us and they were reinforced by people we love. The thing is, they weren't doing it maliciously. They just may not have known. You know, I my last relationship with my, you know, my ex-partner was extremely... Insecure about when her hair was curly, and as 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 a as a straight male, that's you know I was trying I was trying to explain to her I'm like I'm a guy I'm barely looking at your hair I'm I'm looking at your butt like why, yeah <laughs> like, I'm looking at your butt I'm looking at your butt three times before I'm looking at your hair why are you so insecure about your I don't even notice when it's straight or curly you know the the age old joke about does the boyfriend notice when the girlfriend got the haircut. And slowly it was revealed that her mother used to criticize her for it. So she used to spend an extra hour straightening her hair every day. Even though it looked great curly. And we internalize, we internalize other people's thoughts and they start to sound like us. So, you know, my very first book is called Unlearn, and 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 this is just an extension of it. We have to unlearn the things that we were taught about love because they were told to us for a reason. You know, Disney, the Disney movies with the knight in shining armor and, and, and the princess in the castle. These are just old stories of, you know, how to how to find marriage partners that, that are no longer relevant to us. Anymore. And. It's it's something really worth exploring when it comes to, you know, confidence, for example, confidence doesn't mean you feel like you're better than anybody. confidence is just that you understand and nobody's better than you. Confidence is knowing that you don't need to prove yourself to anybody else. It does, it's not a, you know, but we're also taught that if you're too confident, people are going to think you're cocky. Um, and, and one of the biggest ideas I took during writing this book, and, and, and I think it's a good one to leave you with. Not being rewarded isn't a punishment. So when people say society wants you to go shopping and buy a bunch of stuff. If society wants you to be successful, society wants you to be beautiful, if you decide to go off script, society doesn't then punish you. Society just leaves you alone. It's the same thing with social media. Social media wants you to dance to this TikTok song. Social media wants you to show your butt on the Instagram photos. And you know what? It might work and it might get you a bunch of attention. But guess what? If you don't do it, don't get punished. They don't kick you off the platform. They don't deny you anything. They just won't reward you. And I think we feel a lot of pressure by society to become something because we think in duality, if I'm not being rewarded, I must be being punished. The truth is, by not being rewarded by society, you're free of it. You're free to be whoever you want. People stop paying attention to you and you're free to do as you please. And that freedom is the first step to healing. And I can promise you, as somebody who is a full-time creator, which is a very challenging space to make a living on, there is nothing more important than healing. Healing is more important than success. I know a lot of very successful people who are making loads of money, but their fuel is not love, it's anxiety. It's not purpose, it's fear. It's fear of losing. They're, They're in a scarcity mindset. And I admire the people who don't want not to people who have a lot. And I think it's a very important idea, especially because all of this extra stuff, as I said, it's, it's fast food. There's no nutritional value to it. And it's blocking your pathways to authentic love. And then you spend all of your extra excess energy and time and focus trying to chase pleasure to medicate that lack of peace when all we have to do is let go of things. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's simple to understand. And the final chapter of this book, I specifically say, listen, all I'm doing in this book is telling you the differences between french fries and broccoli. And while I'm telling you the difference, I'm admitting to you that I'm eating a french fry. (laughs) And all I'm saying is, guess what? Let's put them both in the same plate. Let's understand what both will do to us. You know, I'm not some dude that Figured it all out and I'm living happily ever after. And trust me, through reading this book, you'll see that. I'm just a guy who used to be an elementary school teacher who knows how to take ideas, make them simple, and help people make better sense of their feelings, their emotions, their thoughts, and what they want. And and, and that's my service to the world. I'm the guy who puts the words together. And I'm still figuring this stuff out. I'm still making mistakes in the world of love. I'm just doing it a little bit more self-aware. And I'm just encouraging more people to become more aware of their own personal journey, so they don't spend as much time, energy, focus, and commitment trying to chase love in all the wrong directions. And instead, be where they are, surrender, clear out a path, and allow love to be realized as it is. And that's why, I even look at the title of the book. It says "How to Be Loved," but I put the D in parentheses. And and that was inspired by a friend who had said to me, "Look." When I make a video called How to Love Yourself More, he's like, no one will watch it. But if I called it Why He Won't Text Back, it'll get 10 times the views, even if I'm saying the same things. So I wrote a book called How to Be Loved, but I'm not teaching you how to be loved. I'm teaching you how to be loved. Love is a verb. It's not a thing. Love is an action. It's service. And love has languages beyond the five love languages. And that comes... In terms of how you can better communicate to the people that you care about the most and to yourself.
1: That is beautiful. And I can't wait to dive into the book. I know a lot of our listeners will be doing that as well. So thank you so much, Humble, for taking the time to come on the show for writing this book, you know, for being on that journey and sharing, as you say, you're just trying to figure it out. And I think that's so valuable too, because we all are, you know, no one has all the answers and there's a lot of comfort. In knowing that, you know, so thank you for that. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you online, where they can find out more about the book? And then we'll say goodbye.
2: Yeah, so the book is available everywhere. You know, you can buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, if you want to find a specific store, you can go to com slash love. And you can find me at Humble the Poet on Instagram, Twitter, all, all the big social medias. Um, and I'm I'm sharing, you know, I'll be sharing clips of this, this interview. I'll be I share quotes from the book. Um and also, you know, when you do check out the book, the way we formatted the book, and I think it's, which I'm really proud of, is that every page in the book has a giant quote and then we also highlight quotes on every single page. And the reason I did this is because I think I'm also challenging this culture that you have to read a book end to end. You know, so this is the book. This book has over 65 chapters. Each chapter is only two pages. Everything is super short and digestible, but you can just open it to any page. You're going to find something you love. Um, And if you read the first chapter, you definitely won't have a dry eye. And if you finish the book, you will never call love complicated ever again. And um, as I said, we're here to challenge conventions. And this is something that, you know, as I've lent it to, to friends and they've gotten to read the, Advanced copies of it. They say, you know, I keep it in my, I keep it in my bag, I keep it in my person, and I just refer to it as like a daily dose, and, and that was the goal. As I said, I'm, I'm a student on this journey, just like you guys. Um, I just take very thorough notes because my, my unique skill set, my 10,000 hours is putting words together. I, you know, I make music, I taught young children, I'm a professional writer, um, so I can put words together. That's what I do. And I'm doing it to add value to the rest of the world.
1: I love it. Well, thank you again for taking the time to come on the show. We'll have all those links in our show notes and on our website. And uh, I can't wait to dive into the book.
2: Thank you so much.
0: with your partner, or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day.
1: You are listening to a pleasure podcast.